friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Okay, Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. And the beat goes on. Another day, another cavalcade of sports, and I am here for it. Hope you are too. I'm Tim McGall. Jesse Rubinov joins me in the studio as he always does. Leafs Habs game four tonight. Ron McLean, David Amber, and the entire crew coming up immediately following your boy, Uncle Timmy, right here on Tim and Friends. Sheldon Keefe is scheduled to speak right now. We will have that for you momentarily. We've also got game five, Predators and Canes. The Jays opening up a three-game set. In the Bronx on Sportsnet 1. What's that, Alec Manoa? Yeah, tomorrow. Three games in the NBA playoffs, including both L.A. teams trying to avoid an 0-2 hole, the secret dream gap tour. And, oh, yeah, the best player in planet Earth when it comes to the game of hockey was just swept out of the Stanley Cup playoffs by a team they beat seven out of nine times in the regular season. Ho-hum. Another day in sports paradise or hell, as it were. Oh, and did I mention that the last three of those games in the sweep went to overtime? (laughs) That's right, kids. It took almost 107 minutes of game time, three overtimes, to end the Jets and Oilers series. And now... I was up until 2 a.m. watching hockey, and yes, all my normal mediocrity will be blamed on that. Up with the kids at 7.30 a.m. Okay, allow me to repeat the sentence that I kind of stuttered through earlier, because I think it hits. The best hockey player in the world was swept out of the playoffs in the first round, and it came after 105 in 56. And it came after a similar fate last year in the bubble. Now, there are a lot of talking points today from a ton of people in my business trying to engage you in those talking points from, well, this wasn't your normal sweep, three overtime games, and for all intents and purposes, a one-goal game in game one, two. McDavid is going to want out of Edmonton and all points in between those two brilliant talking points. Here's the truth as I see it. I think it's obvious that Connor McDavid needs more help. Leon Dreisaitl needs more help. And I think the proof is in the pudding, and that pudding, of course, is ice time. When it came down to it, his coach only trusted two lines, and really only one. The Jets rolled basically three lines and all six defensemen. Darnell Nurse played more than an hour. I'm not kidding. The Oilers had four players over 44 minutes of ice time. The Jets had none. And Darnell Nurse played 62-07. It's the third most in NHL history, and the record was set by Seth Jones, who played 65-05. 
but he did it in a five overtime game. This one ended just over six minutes into the third overtime frame. So Nurse must have slept like a baby last night. Sorry, what's that? He and his partner had a baby? Well, now he's really going to be exhausted. <laughs> Congratulations, Darnell Nurse and Michaela on the arrival of their baby, Aiden. Real-life things. Okay, back to last night. <laughs> it was obvious that Dave Tippett and the Oilers were going for it. And also that he really didn't trust a lot of dudes on that bench. Which makes Ken Holland's comments at the deadline, while perhaps true to many Oilers fans pissed and on the outside looking in again at the postseason, seem almost silly. I don't know that you can be... You can be all in every year. I think you, 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 you pick and choose. No, no, it's true. You can't be all in every year, but you also can't waste the prime years of Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle waiting for the right time to log on to figureitout.com. So instead, you played four dudes, 44-plus minutes, and one guy, 62-plus minutes, because you didn't trust or trust the rest of your lineup. Outside of a couple of guys, maybe. And let's be honest, Peter Klima was not walking through that door in triple overtime. Klima catching up, he's in, shoots, scores! Klima gets the goal here in the third overtime, and what a win this has got to be for the Edmonton Oilers. And if Klima was walking through that door, I would ask for his brilliant bucket and the candy stripe stick tape. So where do you go from here? That's the question in Edmonton today. Well, for starters, the Oilers have 11 UFAs to deal with this offseason. And it's obvious you have to surround McDavid and Drysaddle with the right pieces and some depth or suffer the consequences. And listen... If you are among those getting your back up about the chatter of McDavid leaving, let's make something clear. This is not 1990. Superstars everywhere are asking more of their franchises. Look around. It's the age of athlete empowerment, which makes Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers absolutely no different. Now, to be clear... I'm not saying he wants out. And just moments ago, Connor McDavid basically said the same thing. He reiterated his commitment to the Edmonton Oilers. But I'm also saying that the idea of Connor McDavid leaving is not ridiculous. He wants more around him. And it's management's job to do that or deal with the consequences of that, which may eventually include McDavid growing tired of the cavalcade of wingers outside playing with Leon. That's not crazy. I'm sorry. Okay, that's the one part. The other part about all this that nobody wants to acknowledge is that it's hard to get free agents to go to Edmonton at market value, and that is not meant to disparage Edmonton. It's just the truth. And in a cap system, that makes it really hard to win. I'm not talking about Pronger. It's a long time ago. I'm not even talking about just hockey. Ask the Toronto Raptors. Ask the Milwaukee Bucks or the Sacramento Kings or the Canucks or the Habs 
or the Leafs until they unlock that older guy from the area who wants to win late in his career and sees a really good young core. It's the only way the Leafs got it. And in a cap system, overpaying puts you at a disadvantage. But do you have a choice? See Milan Lucic. So there are distinct challenges that Ken Holland needs to figure out. And the clock is already ticking on a remarkably important offseason. But here's the thing. Sometimes it's hard to see the forest through the trees. Sidney Crosby won a cup four years in. But not only is that exceedingly rare, it took another seven seasons to do it again. It took Mario Lemieux, what, top three player of all time, eight seasons to win a cup. It took Steve Eisenman 14 years. It's not built in a day. Even Michael Jordan and LeBron James, two of the goats of basketball where you're supposed to make a difference, immediately had to wait to win. So even if you're the city of champions, or used to be, as hard as, as hard as it is to hear the day after, sometimes good things come to those who wait. Mark Spector, Ken Weeb coming up on the roundtable. We will discuss if they think McDavid is tired of this. And oh, by the way, NHL officials, I'm tired of this. If it's a penalty, call the damn thing. I had no horse in the race last night, and I thought it went both ways. Hook, hold, hit from behind, take scoring chances away with a tackle. Play on, boys. This is playoff hockey. But puck over glass? Immediate two minutes. It's ridiculous. How does the NHL not see this? Jesse Rubinoff, am I insane or do you see the exact same thing about puck over glass versus let him play in overtime? Puck over glass, high stick that draws blood. What if you're just someone that bleeds easier than other people? Like, there's a lot of subjectivity <laughs> you're, you're with the rules. You're an easy bleeder? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe. I bruise easy. <laughs> and there's just, it's just, it's ridiculous. I completely agree with you that the referees don't, they swallow the whistle because they don't want to be the ones who decide the game. But, but there are egregious penalties that they just do not call in overtime. Right. It's something the NHL needs to figure out because that game probably wouldn't have lasted three overtimes if you're calling penalties no, the way I they should have. I don't think so. And I think that Edmonton fans today now are saying, well, our power play, which was dominant all season long, didn't get that opportunity. And I'm not saying it for that opportunity. I'm not saying it for Edmonton yeah. fans. I'm saying it because it's ridiculous. And one day puck over glass after everything is let go is going to decide a game and it will be ridiculous. All right, let's move on. Game four, Leafs Habs set for tonight as they go back to back in an effort to cut, catch up with the divisions of the United States of America. The Leafs look pretty damn good in the 2-1 win last night that could have been much more. Sheldon Keefe is scheduled to speak with the media momentarily. We'll let you know if he confirms who will be starting in net for the Toronto Maple Leafs and whether or not Nick Foligno might be able to go tonight. We'll also check on, on the Habs roster. One thing for certain, the Habs are going to need to win. They're going to need to score goals. It's a refrain uttered almost as much as the Kardashians are annoying. The stat of the day is run support. That's right, hockey help. Since 2015... Carey Price, you may have seen it in the broadcast yesterday, has the least amount of goals scored per playoff start of any goalie in hockey. Less than two a game, 1.97. In fact, 
He's played 31 postseason games since 2015. The Habs have scored two or fewer goals in 22 of 31. And when they score three or more over that span, they're 9-0. and I repeat, when Carey Price gets more than two goals of support, they are unbeaten. 9-0. and But whatever, wait three games to get Cole Caulfield in. Even though he hit the crossbar in the first, looked dangerous all game. Make him sit and wait. I get you need experience on the ice. I also get you give yourself a chance playing like that, but you cannot sustain it for four rounds. Name the cup winner without elite goal scoring. St. Louis, maybe Tarasenko, O'Reilly probably feel a little disparaged. Name another, Los Angeles Kings, maybe, maybe. You got to be able to score goals. We'll see if the Montreal Canadiens can score goals tonight. So much going on. Spencer Knight steals one for Florida. Alexander Ovechkin, is he a lock to return to the Caps? We have sound from Ovi coming up. All that, and the Jays start an all-important series in the Bronx. Does it feel like it's getting away from the Toronto Blue Jays as we speak? But we close, of course, this opening segment with golf beef. (laughs) Golf beef. What in the good name of Dick Trickle are we talking about here? Last night, video surfaced, outtake, golf channel, interview, Brooks Kepka. After his second round at last weekend's PGA Championship, the video went viral because of Kepka's reaction to Bryson DeChambeau walking behind him. If you haven't seen it already, here is golf beef in all its glory. Golf course was asking a lot from you today, Brooks. What were you able to do well and put up that nice number? Just ball struck my way around this place. Um, didn't putt well, but I don't think many guys are going to putt well with this wind. It's it's very tough. I don't like I said. I don't know what other guys have said, or I just felt it difficult to read. You know, sometimes, sometimes um, I lost. I lost my train of thought. Yeah, hearing that bull. All right, yeah, we're starting over. <laughs> we're going to enjoy that in the TV compound. Right there. <laughs> I honestly wouldn't even care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm conflicted here. They're both pretty jacked, but golf mm-hmm. beef, Jesse? It's, like, those are two big dudes. I get it, but... It, couldn't, it could not be better for golf to have these two guys <laughs> beefing. You have Bryson, who's this eccentric guy. He's trying to make golf like a science project. He's trying to hit everything 400 yards. Then you have Brooks, who just the, the natural talent just seems like he steps up there and just crushes the ball. And these two guys in the top 10 have now created a rivalry that we haven't seen in a very long time. Well, hold on here. Yeah, what's up? I know this is a little inside golf and you enjoy it, but it's golf beef. Like, how could you really be pissed off at another golfer? It's the metal, it's the metal spikes. He didn't like him walking with the metal spikes. So Bryson actually responded on Instagram with a comment. Okay. Uh, If you guys want to take my computer, um, Bryson said, you know you can fix spike marks now with a laughing face. So, and not only that, uh, he actually did post an Instagram where I guess it's sort of a veiled response to Brooks. Why don't we check out the role here? Now, Timmy, I got to ask you, 
Uh, what do you think of Bryson's form? Those are 100-pound dumbbells. What is he doing? Are those shrugs? He's lifting. I mean, he's trying to make a statement here to Brooks. Like, <laughs> no, you're not the only big boy here, right? <laughs> no. But what is that? Shoulder shrugs? <laughs> yeah, those look like shrugs. Listen, I am, I, it's been a long time <laughs> since I was in the gym, so I'm not going to throw stones from this glass yeah, house. Yeah, me, me too. But those me do too. not look like hammer curls from back in my day. It looks like a back injury waiting to happen is what <laughs> it looks like. like. That shrugging. is tough. Like, is he working on his traps there? What the hell is he doing? Let's just please, please, for the U.S. Open, which is happening in a couple weeks' time, can we please get Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau together? Because that is what golf's need. golf needs. We need this rivalry. Yeah. More than you're not, you're not down for it. Um, I, listen, I don't know if golf needs <laughs> a beef. Like I think golf needs a lot of things. I don't know if Kepka Disha. I guess inside golf, it'll be fun to Anything watch. Anything for ratings these days. People yell at at Deschambeau. At a boy, Brooksy. He didn't like that too much. Eh? <laughs> he didn't like that all right. at all. We'll have much more coming up on the Oilers and Jets. Mark Spector, Ken Weeb will join me for the Tuesday roundtable. We'll preview game four between the Leafs and Habs. Anthony Stewart, Justin Bourne, Eric Engels, and Kyle Bukowskis. Plus, we'll get you set for the Jays series opener in the Bronx. All that and more on this edition of Tim and Friends. Thanks for coming along. Kyle Connor shoots and he scores! You wonder at what point does it bubble over to a reaction after the whistle. Been all kinds of talk of Matthews trying not to retaliate and just laugh off a few of these efforts. Steal. Josh Bailey scores. In double overtime, the New York Islanders have won game five. You have to wonder what Tristan Jari was thinking right there, John. I'll have an important official announcement uh, message to Trey Young uh, on behalf of the people of New York City and, and anyone who cares about actually playing basketball the right way, stop hunting for fouls, Trey. Trey, that hawk's not gonna fly in New York City, come on. Edmonton Oilers, Winnipeg Jets, game one, round one. The race to four is underway, wrist shot. Jets tie this one. Logan Stanley lets it go. And was that in? You see, Toninato puts a stick down right there. Tip. The Winnipeg Jets take game one in round one. The Oilers look to resurrect their own offense in game two. Stastny, a shot and they score! Paul Stastny! And the Winnipeg Jets take a commanding two to nothing series lead. It's still loose out there. They're walking away and they score! Jets looking for a sweep. Edmonton looking to keep their season alive. Connor McDavid intense and involved in this game in more ways than one. Shifley scores! Tie game! Triple OT underway. Golden opportunity. Kyle Connor! Triple overtime series 
What a series for a sweep. Time for the Tuesday roundtable. More of a triangle today because I want to hammer down on the North and specifically what do the Oilers do moving forward. Joining me from Winnipeg is one half of Kenny and Rennie on YouTube. Sportsnet columnist Ken Weeb. Ken, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. My pleasure, Tim. Thanks for having me. And on the other side of our isosceles is a man who knows <laughs> as much about the Oilers as anyone on planet Earth, Mark Spector. Marcus, uh, any rest last night? Like, what are you working on right now? Oh, it's, uh, you know, one thing I'm really good at, Tim, it's doing the player exit interviews <laughs> before everybody thought you'd be doing them. Like, when I put my resume out, man, oh. those stories, they're right at the top. <laughs> All right, let's let's start with you, Mark. A- after some time to let it marinate and then the player exit interviews today, what was the biggest question in Edmonton? You know, the, the biggest oftentimes the biggest question is why isn't this thing moving faster, right? That's yeah. usually the question in Edmonton. And to be honest, this series left everyone a little bit perplexed. I mean, I think everyone agrees the Jets program's ahead of Edmonton. They have a deeper team. They've been building it a little bit longer. They got more of the boxes checked. But when you look at the series and you see that you got swept in a series where Edmonton led in the series longer than Winnipeg did, Edmonton was in every game. There are three overtime games in a, you know, in a game that was tied with 10 minutes to play. It's sort of hard to know where to criticize. I can think of some places. I always can. They pay me for that. But this was the one of the weird. I've covered hockey for over 30 years here. I've never seen a sweep where I didn't walk away saying Team A is way better than Team B. And that's kind of the case. Winnipeg was better. But I'm trying to figure out all the different ways they were better. There weren't as many as you might think. Ken, were you as shocked as Mark was that this ended up the way it did? Yeah, certainly shocked in the sweep nature for sure, Tim. Four one-shot hockey games is how Paul Maurice described it, and he's right. And to Mark Spector's point, the Jets could have been swept, and the dialogue is completely different. But they got a little bit more from their depth players. Their star players came out to shine when it mattered most. And the man between the pipes deserves a lot of credit here. Connor Hellebuck, 950 save percentage. Not many goalies lose a series when you can rock a 950 save percentage. Connor Hellebuck was the MVP of this series, although he did have plenty of help. Okay, so, Mark, I know that every offseason, especially when it ends bitterly, uh, everyone outside Edmonton points and says Connor McDavid is going to get tired of this. Everyone inside Edmonton says, shut the bleep up. Um, So, Connor today kind of reiterated that he wants to see this through, that he is a member of the Edmonton Oilers. I don't know if he needed to, but will that quell the uprising from around the periphery of this team? And no, it'll never quell the voices out of Toronto, right? That, <laughs> that look at Austin Matthews, who hasn't won anything, and say he's happy to lose, but Carter McDavid wants out. So no, it won't quell those voices, I'm here to tell you. But you know what it is to me, guys, both of you, Kenny, it's, it's disrespectful to the player, right? This is a guy who's a, a captain on this team. He's building something here. He's got a leadership group now that's good with Drysaddle, with Nurse, with Larson, with Nugent Hopkins if he stays. They've got some players here, right? They're, he's entrenched, and he's in this thing a 1,000%. So when you say he's just going to quit and walk away and say, I'm quitting, I'm out of here, this isn't Buffalo, right? They're not that bad a team. They've been a second-place team in the division for two years running. They're not a bad team. They got swept. I get it. 
But to say he's going to just quit and walk away, to me personally, I think that's a very disrespectful stance to take about a player that is in waist deep here, and he said it again today. I think the legitimate uh, conversation to be had, Mark, is just to follow up on that, is not he's going to quit and leave, but he might demand more of management to help out. And I saw that refrain uttered a couple of times when Ken Holland said we can't go all in every year. And while he might be right, you can't also waste the prime years of McDavid and Dreisaitl. No, you can't waste them, but you, you waste them mo- even more if you spend all your money and all your assets before the time is right. You only have a finite amount of draft picks for the trade deadline, right? You only have a finite amount of prospects. So they spent some money at last year's trade deadline. This year they didn't. I get it. If you do it every year, if you remember the Leafs before the salary cap era, guys, they traded away every draft pick they had because they were going to win every year. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. How did it work out? It didn't work out. Yeah. So I, I would say to you that next year is a giant trade deadline. Next year this team will be expected to win one or two playoff rounds at least. It's time now. We're here. It is time next season. I never thought this was the season. Turns out it was even shorter than we we figured it would be. Uh, I love this country, coast to coast to coast. Ken, it's not just Toronto that says this about McDavid. I know, I know, Spectre's throwing it at the center of the universe, but there's other places that say this, don't they, Ken? Well, hey, I, I'm gonna actually, uh, yes, other places do say it, Tim, but uh, <laughs> I gotta stick with my friend on the prairies here. Uh, sometimes those uh, those narratives are different on the internal. Uh, markets than they are outwardly but talking about pressure I mean there was pressure on the Jets after the 2018 run to the Western Conference final most people assumed that meant the next year it was to the Stanley Cup and beyond but there have been a couple of hiccups for Winnipeg too and as Mark knows from covering the game for a long time sometimes you have to have a little bit build up a little bit of that emotional scar tissue and that's what we saw from Winnipeg they were comfortable in these tight games in these overtime games and some of their players who didn't put them over the top in 2018 were now mature enough and able to have that buy-in and push themselves over the top whether that's Nikolai Ehlers coming back from injury Connor Hellebuck standing on his head Mark Shifley embracing the opportunity to go head-to-head with Connor McDavid and company and then the captain Blake Wheeler delivering uh, and it just an impressive series for the ages in a year where there was so much of uh, the spotlight on him as he played through those cracked ribs as we found out late in the year. This is a team that had to deal with a little bit of heartache of its own in order to get back to where they want to be. But the impressive thing is the Jets are treating this as business as usual. This is four wins on what they believe is the road to 16. So they were happy but they weren't out here celebrating like they won the Stanley Cup. This is just one step in a long process. Boys, the truth is, and this might be harder for fans to take than blocking a shot with your family jewels, but the truth is, is that patience in sports often leads to the most stable franchises. And it's the impatience, it's the knee-jerk, it's the always reacting to every single season that leaves franchises chasing it, see Buffalo. Yeah, no kidding. Here's the thing. I mean, as strong a year as the Jets had, Tim, I mean, they were the kings of the bounce back, uh, you know, not losing consecutive games very often. All of a sudden they have a season-long seven-game skid. If it's not a COVID season, you know, you have some a, a vocal part of the fan base yelling there should be a coaching change. What does the coach and his coaching staff do for a series against a team that beat them six games in a row? They devise a pretty good game plan and find a way to neutralize two of the best players 
in the National Hockey League, at least through the two-game process. And then they had that buy-in to that that forced them to not feed into the transition game of the Oilers that you know basically took them to the cleaners for the majority of the games during the season. So, I mean, man, the pressure is always high on these coaches, but Mark saw it today as well. There's some fans in Edmonton that think that there should be another coaching change. Are you kidding me? Dave Tippett produced a level of buy-in on the defensive side of the puck that we simply haven't seen. There were just too many passengers when it came to the offensive offense generated by the Oilers in the series. Mark on Tippett. Yeah, Dave Tippett, you know, he's coming here and produced uh, in consecutive years teams that were second place in their division uh, in the regular season. And, yeah, playoffs didn't go well. I get it. Uh, he's got a thin lineup. Listen, let me start again. The Edmonton Oilers were the Cleveland Browns, okay? They had seven head coaches inside the last decade. So if I never tell a fan what to think because they, they pay their money they pay they want. But if, if you think that to, con- to continue to turn over coaches, whether you're the Oilers, the Leafs, the Jets, the Cleveland Browns, the Buffalo Bills, I don't care who you are, if you're going to have an eighth coach in 11 years and you think that, that continuing to bang your head against that wall is the answer, right? They've got some stability in their general manager. You've got some stability in your coach. He's getting a, a buy in. All, you go through the numbers. Edmonton's numbers are up in every category around the league. Best power play, good shorthanded good goals against for the first time in forever. So, no, Dave Tippett is safe as safe can be, and he should be. Uh, let the bald guy in the center of the universe say uh, this Wayne Gretzky thing, uh, stepping down as vice chairman, was simply so that he could go get a TV job because it looks like he's going to work for TNT, who just got the con- the contract in the United States of America. So before anyone in Toronto or anyone else jumps to conclusion about Gretzky leaving the day after, he's going to get a job, right? Like his. And let me ask you this, Beck: Good hire, you like it? TBS, TNT, is this dynamite? Yeah, it's going to be, you know, what's going to be cool or interesting is Wayne Gretzky's a vault, right? He knows hockey. He's got a million stories. He knows every single person in the game. Like it's all in there, but is it going to come out the way it comes out for Charles Barkley? (laughs) Yeah. Or be as critical as Shaq. Yeah. That'll be really interesting to follow. That's going to be the one, the nut that has to get cracked at TNT. Uh, all right, I want to move on uh, to the Leafs-Habs series, and Jack Campbell is going to get the start. Carey Price is going to get the start. I didn't think we were going to go. I know neither goalie has started back-to-backs, but we saw neither goalie had started back-to-backs when Hellebuck and Smith uh, did it in the Oilers-Jets series. Um, Speck, let me ask you this. It looks like the Leafs have grabbed control of this series. Can Montreal score enough goals to make this interesting? Well, Here's the deal with Montreal. They need to defend first or the Leafs will pile up five on them. Right. So it's all about defending for, for the Montreal Canadiens. What they need to figure out is how do we defend to that level against that arsenal that Toronto has and still open up enough to get to three, right? They got to get to three to win a game. And that's the nut. Maybe if they start trying to get to three and they start playing the Caulfields and the Cockneyamis more, all of a sudden the Leafs are getting to six. So that's where every defensive team struggles when they play a Montreal or a Winnipeg that's got a lot of weapons. How do you defend well enough but still get some goals? You can't win with one goal. That's going to be the Montreal problem tonight. Ken, that's, uh, that's interesting to hear because when I talked to you uh, in the midst of the struggles down the stretch, there was uh, 
a little consternation in Winnipeg about what Paul Maurice was attempting to do defensively. Uh, I don't think people are looking at it the same way now, are they? No, they certainly aren't. Uh, the Jets found a way to, to, you know, tighten up. And again, there was a puck management thing. It was a third forward high. And it was kind of getting away from the cute plays. This is a team that flourishes in terms of their own rush offense. But those opportunities simply aren't available as regularly in the playoffs. So they found a way to g- score some dirty goals. And then they got the kind of unsung hero contributions that the Montreal Canadiens are going to require in this series. Yes, they need Nick Suzuki to perform. They need Tyler Toffoli to score. They need Brendan Gallagher. But they also need some of their other guys to deliver the way that a Dominic Toninato or a Tucker Pullman did for the Jets against Edmonton. Yeah, great point. Uh, Let me follow up with this, Ken. Are we going to see a longer series in Montreal, Toronto than we saw? Or does this look like it might go a a different way here and we, we catch up to the American series? Yeah, I think to me, this is probably going to go six. I understand folks think that the Leafs took over. And, you know, I do value the fact that the Leafs have more depth, probably both up front and and on the back end. But, I mean, price is pretty locked in here. So I don't think it would surprise anyone if if this series goes six. And the Canadians do have a deep team. The the biggest issue they have in in terms of scoring those goals. And Campbell is playing well, but they've got to find a way to find that balance. The Jets kind of found, found that balance against the Oilers, sacrificing a bit of offense, to play a little bit stronger defensively. But then you need things like your special teams to come to the forefront, and that's what the Canadians are going to need to extend this series. Quickly, Mark, we're running out of time. What do you think the series will do? Well, I think Montreal has the only hole when I look at Toronto, I look at Jack Campbell, and I go, okay, you look like a nice goalie, but you haven't done it yet in the playoffs, right? Montreal's got to put the pressure on this guy. They have to pile up some chances. They have to make Jack Campbell be as good as the Leafs are making Carey Price look, not look, Making making him play, so Montreal's got a pilot on here, and I'm going to go back to my last point. My only question is, if Montreal goes out there trying to score goals, they might give up six. So to me, they got to break Jack Campbell. If they don't break Jack Campbell, they're not beating the Leafs. Agreed. Nine and zero since 2015, when the Montreal Canadiens score three or more goals. Three is the key for Montreal, uh, boys. This three was great. Thank you very much for doing it. Thanks, guys. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, can we Winnipeg? Mark Spector, of course, in Edmonton. Coming up, we'll focus on that Leafs Hab series as we get you set for tonight's critical game number four. Jack Campbell will start back to back games. Is that the right call? Is he healthy enough to do so? And can the Habs give Carey Price some support? Leafs Habs talk ahead with Anthony Stewart and company. Next. Welcome back to Tim and Friends, where we have always been committed to the conversation. And it's not always easy, but whoever told you this life would be easy, lied. I understand for so many, it can feel exhausting. People want to tear you down because they want to stop you from having those conversations. And in the conversations, you can make mistakes in a world that has become very unforgiving to those mistakes. But I've been checked in my life, and you don't have to get your back up. That's when you can learn. It can help you grow. It can make you better. So, yes, we've had the conversations. And if you've been with us for a while, you know this. But you never really learn when you're talking. Sometimes you have to listen. Listen not to reply. Listen to understand. Because listening is often the greatest way to learn. And while this day is marked By the anniversary of the death of George Floyd, it can also represent much more than that, if you're prepared to listen. 
Some of my friends, some of my co-workers had something to say. I listened. I hope you will too. Rogers Sports and Media presents 9 Minutes, 29 Seconds. Ignorance and power is the enemy of justice. And no longer can we stand for that which misrepresents us. Pressing its knee on the windpipe from that which the voice of a people emanates so beautifully. Change is not what we see, but how we see it. To make real change and rearrange the structures keeping us in chains, we must change our minds through acts of love. We gotta be it. Let not the deaths of those that pass be in vain. Use all of the gifts that our ancestry claims to realize the dreams of those that died in the name of truth and light. Set out to guide us on the path that was paved in search of freedom and justice. And no, it's not a cop going to jail for murder. If I must be honest with you, um... In Canada, they'll be like, oh, there's no racism, something, something, like, but, like, like they don't even understand that, like, I'm constantly getting racially profiled, like, and I, like, I understand it because, like, you walk into a store, you just want to buy something, they're always, like, asking questions, like, you know when it's, like, creepy and it's falling, you're like, oh, do you need help? No, I don't need help, thank you, I know what I'm getting, and they're just constantly following you, like, you realize that you're being targeted. The black community is not a monolith, it is, everybody has their own story and their own, uh, backgrounds that they can reflect on. So I think it's very important to acknowledge that before anything and moving forward. Being cruel to people has just been normalized and I don't get that. I don't get how, I don't get just how somebody can take a look at another group of people and be like, I don't like you just because of the way that you look. That's, that's trash. That's trash to me, it really is. Okay, police are friends. <laughs> There's a facade Canadians as being these nice people that we don't really have racism, but our whole nation was built on the slaughtering of Indigenous peoples. There's a continued um, denial based on our systems of oppression. And if we continue to deny it, then it makes it hard for those who are oppressed to name it. Being in white spaces and talking about these things, it has been incredibly enlightening and it's been incredibly hard. Just hope that things will work out, that even our children and grandchildren may have a better setup than we have when we came here in 1966. They would look at you and then psych you out before they rent your place. fighting a long time, but the message is still the same. Uh, we're fighting for equality. We're fighting for an equal chance at living, achieving our dreams, being anything that we want. We're fighting for George Floyd. And we sat there and we watched and we held our breath and it was tough for everybody. It's a collective trauma. And I think we're all just hoping that at some point we can release that breath. 
When he got to the point where he was crying for his mother, I stopped breathing because that's what mothers do for their sons is they stop breathing so that they can breathe. I, I felt like how could the world, because it was the world, be so inhumane to somebody. I didn't want to close my eyes that night after watching it because I felt like I was going to be seeing my son and hearing my son. Picked up the phone and I called my son and I said, I just, you don't even have to say anything. I just need you to just, I just need to hear you breathing. I just need to know that you're okay and I just need you to get home safe. change has happened since George Floyd's tragic murder is the conversation has been busted wide open to the point where nobody can say they didn't know anymore. And so the, the knowledge is there if you want it, and it's undeniable. In terms of the privilege of being black is when you're black, you were loved before you were here. So no matter where you are, no matter what country, what ethnicity, if you were black, someone went through something for you to be here. And then you have that obligation to pay that forward to the next generation. What is the dopest part about being black? Well, how much time do you have? What isn't dope about being black? I don't know where to start. Um, I love black women, that's my weakness. It comes to so many things. There is so much pride I have being part of black communities. We are out there and we're showing everyone that no matter what you throw at us, we're gonna come back. I just like being black, you know? It's just like, it's like I've been black my whole life, so you know, like I obviously have to embrace it. It's like just naturally being cool, you know? It's the way you walk, it's the music you listen to, the history and uh you know just just being more i feel like black people in general are more connected to our culture regardless if you have a caribbean background african background literally anything that's good black people either made it or made it cool we're talking about fashion we're talking about art we're talking about food we're talking about swag and i hate that word but there's a certain energy a certain vibe with just being black that i think comes with uh being this amazing skin color that i have man nobody makes lemonade out of lemons better than us. Literally, that's our history. Oxtail is fire. We make things that are amazing out of pieces of food or culture that other people discard. So we, better than anyone, take what the world gives us and makes it something so hot that the rest of the world wants it. Oh, man. <laughs> to me, being black in 2021 means duality. You're a master of duality. 
you're a master of finding the joy and the beauty in that experience. And you're also a master of being tired. We also are the blueprint for activism, right? We, we stand at the forefront. We demand our rights from kingdom come. The world feeds off our energy. And to be able to be growing up in that culture, immersing myself in that culture in all aspects, it's uh, always given me a, a liberating feeling. Uh, the dopest part about being black is our resilience, our different shades, our hues, being strong people, coming from kings and queens, our legacy. Um, I'm someone that has a child of my own. Everything that he is seeing, what I surround him around, is what his future will be. All those black men and women that he's surrounded with are all people that are so brilliant in what they do. Um, I'm surrounded by them every day. Ironically enough, I'm surrounded by them right now, so it, 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 it's, it's very incredible. If you look out in the garden, you don't see one color flowers. You see all different colors, flowers. That's a beautiful garden, isn't it? So just as we are different colors, different nationality, different language, that's a beautiful garden the Lord has created. So we've got to learn to live and to grow, set examples for each other, and we'll get along. And you show the world that we are God's children. And it doesn't matter who we are, love. The greatest of all is love. If you want more, all in for equality.ca slash remember 929. I obviously have nowhere close to any or all of the answers. Einstein, though, smarter than I, once said, life is like riding a bike. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. People will lure you into stopping, especially these days. Don't. Even if it may feel like progress is too slow, even if it may feel good, even necessary to stop and engage with ignorance, keep our eyes on the goal. The road to all of our goals is littered with tempting parking spaces. Just keep going towards the goal. Equality. We keep moving. Now. On Tim and Friends. That's right, kids. We go back to Montreal. Leafs, Habs talk ahead of game four. Right here on Sportsnet. Plus, we'll have highlights from the secret Dream Gap Tour. And get you set for the Jays and Yankees from the Bronx. Tim and Friends continues after this. Sheepdogs back here for hour number two on Tim and Friends as we lead you into Hockey Central on Sportsnet 7 p.m. Eastern ahead of the Leafs and Canadians game number four. I've said this a bunch of times over the last couple of days. Take the flicker, take your phone, put it down. We are good to go for a couple hours right here on Sportsnet. Tons of pregame coverage on the way. Justin Bourne, Anthony Stewart, Ang Eric Engels will all join me in the news from Sheldon Keefe a short time ago. The Leafs will once again start Jack Campbell in goal, Nick Foligno out again, while Travis Dermott and Adam Brooks will draw into the lineup. Who's out? 
Meh. I don't know. We don't know. To be determined after the pregame skate with more on tonight's game. Let's go to Montreal. Live, Kyle Bukowska standing by. What's going on, Kyle? Well, Tim, actually, I, I came here to the rink this morning. You mentioned Jack Campbell going again for the Maple Leafs. Frederick Anderson was actually out here on the ice, and he did the usual 20-minute starters routine with uh, Steve Briere, the goalie coach. And I wondered then that maybe would he be the guy, but clearly it was just precautionary, really, if Jack Campbell couldn't, in fact, go on back-to-back -back nights. But it was clear when he said last night, my job is to be ready when called upon. Sheldon Keefe, no hesitation going back here, him here this evening. Here now is the Toronto head coach on the opportunity to go up 3-1 to one in this best-of-seven series. We've uh, been able to put together, you know, long stretches of, of winning games. Uh, but this is a different time of year, of course, and a different challenge. Uh, so, you know, it remains to be seen and uh, what we're what we can do in this situation but uh, in terms of what we've done to this point in the mood of the team and, and all of those kind of things we recognize the opportunity and the guys are excited to get right back at it tonight so you mentioned who's coming in for Toronto tonight, Tim. I We don't know for sure, as you mentioned, but I believe that Riley Nash will likely be one of the scratches when the others were out here this morning. He stayed out for a while long with them, so that would suggest that he would come out with Adam Brooks coming in and Nick Foligno still can't go. On the Montreal side, Dominic Ducharme said this morning that there was a handful of game-time decisions for him here this evening, so the lineup on the Montreal side a little more muddier as we talk right now. Yeah, he's been playing that little gamesmanship role over the last little while, and I love it. Um, Riley Nash is the, I mean, Bogosian, Sandy, like, where do the Leafs go for Dermot coming in? Yeah, I guess it's going to be Bogosian. I mean, we'll, we'll see when warm-ups roll around right. here, Tim. Sandine has provided a bit of a jolt to the power play. I know they didn't score last night, but boy, did they look dangerous a couple of times, and he played a big role in that. I just think as a defense core, certainly that top four, they have done such a good job in defending in their own zone and defending the blue paint. Brendan Gallagher even noted that in the aftermath of last night's loss that the Leafs have made it clear that that is a priority for them. I mean, for the first time in a number of years, they are getting praise for how they're playing in their own end so yeah. perhaps it's Bogosian <laughs> that comes out to give them maybe a little bit of speed on back-to-back -back nights but otherwise I think they like the heavy defending that they have seen so far through three games in this series the Leafs defense being praised what world do we live in Kyle Bukoskis thank you very much for this appreciate it anytime my man good to be on with you uh, good to have you on. Uh, there is Kyle Bukowska, salt of the earth, joining us from Montreal. Now, following a season or a series sweep of the Jets, the Oilers spoke today reflecting on a disappointing end of their season. Stop me if you've heard this before. All eyes, of course, on Connor McDavid, the Oilers captain, was asked if he was growing frustrated with the organization's lack of playoff success. Here's what he said. That's, that's not the case of it, uh, at all. Um, you know, we have a we have a great core here. You know, Leon and 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 Nursey, um, Nuge, Lars. I mean, these are guys that uh, you know I've kind of kind of grown up with, and and uh, um, you know we want to see this thing through together, and and we want to do this thing uh, do this thing right. You know, it feels like we're we're we're, we're light years away, but it, but but we're a lot closer than 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 I think uh, you know it feels today. Right. All right, if you think it's McDavid who only gets these questions, hold on. 
The Washington Capitals were cleaning out their lockers today after being eliminated by the Bruins on Sunday. Alexander Ovechkin can become an unrestricted free agent after this season. Ovechkin is negotiating his own contract with the team as he did in his last deal. Today, he was asked how confident he'll be that he'll be back with the Caps next season. I'm confident. Obviously, uh, we, we still have time. Um, obviously, I want to finish my career here. Uh, I'm pretty sure we uh, will do something uh, soon. We'll do something soon is the quote from Alexander Ovechkin. I would be shocked if he moved on from Washington, but who am I? The girls damn sugar time for more hockey talk. And we uh, go down to the mothership. That is uh, hockey night in Canada. And yesterday I got more than one tweet talking about my glorious four color big pen. I present to the fans of this pen, the man who gifted me such a wonderful piece of engineering, who also happens to be on the NHL on Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. Matching glorious pieces of engineering, Anthony Stewart. Stewie, eternally grateful for this that you have gifted me. Guys, making sure that you, uh, you still got it and use it. I've been checking in daily, and it's great that you've been using it every single day. So, big pen, check is a go. Not only do I have one, Stewie, I roll with two. I'm bilingual. That's the iPhone 12 Plus. You got to be careful with that one. I will be careful. It stays, on, get it stays in the side. I try not to use it too much. Uh, let's talk about this. Listen, I know that we're in this two-goalie world and the Florida Panthers have gone to a three-goalie world and it kind of sort of worked, at least for now, and Spencer Knight getting the win last night. But when I look down at Jack Campbell's numbers and what Carey Price has done through three games... It did not shock me that we were going back-to-back with both Campbell and Price. Did it shock you? Uh, not at all. And I think people got to start putting a little bit more respect on uh, Jack Campbell's game, 17-3-2. And, and I don't think if there's any other goal in the National Hockey League that had those records that people would be giving them uh, you know, a hassle that he was starting. So this series is far from over. So to put in uh, Freddie Anderson on the court thinking that, you know what, we're going to give Jack a rest, the playoffs don't work like that. you got to ride, guys. You're going to be tired. And that's why they call it the hardest trophy to win in pro sports because you don't come out of it uh you know without a couple bumps and bruises so jack campbell's the guy and they're going to ride him for the foreseeable future uh 135 with a 951 save percentage in the postseason seems to make sense to me uh all right so let's move on are you surprised that we are seeing adam brooks and travis dermott uh, coming in on back-to-backs for the Leafs? Uh, no, I think uh, tr- uh, Brooks has actually earned his opportunity. He played really, really well for about six weeks for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I was surprised that he didn't start, but it's a numbers game. So when you're a younger guy, you sort of got to pay your dues. But I think he's going to step in and play some major minutes as well. And Dermott, he's had a fairly good season as well. I've been a fan of his game too. So uh, the question is, who's coming out? I hear Riley Nash isn't playing too. And could be a bit of a surprise on who's out uh, on the back end. But, uh, you know, to win this cup or to go on a deep run, you need to have depth and need to have guys fresh ready to go so I could see them giving some other guys a little bit of a break that have that are having some bumps and bruises but uh, it's all system goes for the Toronto Maple Leafs I, I feel like there's a lot of Leaf fans out there saying well Toronto dominated yesterday and through two periods of play I mean listen it could have been four or five one the shots on goal were 27 14 after two periods of play but when you're playing Carey Price that's the name of the game. And, and Montreal, if they can start scoring some goals here, I know it's that fine line of, you know, playing defense and making sure that you're not making mistakes uh, with the puck in your own zone or in the neutral zone. But if they start scoring goals here, this could be a series in a hurry. 
Absolutely, especially yeah. we saw last game. Montreal scored one or two goals on that power play on the double minor. That could be a totally different game. So this series is far from over. And Toronto's been playing some good, playing some good hockey. They've dominated most of the series. But Montreal Canadiens are not far behind. We're taking a look at these stats right now. Carey Price needs some run support. You need guys like Toffoli stepping up, who's had 28 goals this year. Suzuki scored last game. They need more from him. Josh Anderson. So uh, to think that uh, it's, it's a home run for the Maple Leafs, it, it's not in any sense of the word. I'm, I'm a huge fan of both Toffoli and Anderson, but was Cole Caulfield their most dangerous forward? Oh, yeah, for sure. And he came in well-rested, and there were some questions if he should play game one or two. And I think, yeah, he should have because he's just dynamic. Every time he's on that ice, he's creating some offense. He's like a water bug out there, too. And, you know, I think he has that game-breaking ability. So I'd love to see him get some more minutes, put him up in 16, 17, 18 minutes, see what he can do because I think this kid is going to be a star in the league was, a lot sooner than later. Was that the penalties? Like, I was kind of scratching my, my fat, bald head wondering why he wasn't on the ice more. It's, it's, it's a veteran's game. And anyway, right. you dice it right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm not going to advocate for either or. <laughs> right. You want to ride the veterans. You want to give them an opportunity. And young guys, on, on the big stage, it's, it's tough. It's tough in the National Hockey League to step in at 2021 20, and really, really make an impact. There's a small, minuscule uh, group of players that can really do it. But I think Cole Caulfield is one of those guys. Are we underselling the absence of John Tavares and Nick Foligno right now? Uh, there, when you go for a deep run like this team is, is, is you know, wants to, you, you need to have some of your top guys. But just remember now, guys like uh, Brooks have been playing good hockey, started off in the press box. Engvall started off in the press box. Yeah. You need depth. So you need 13, 14 forwards. You're going to need 7, 8 because I don't think there's been a, a cup team in recent memory that's done it with, uh, you know, 12 and 6. So it's a good problem to have. But, you know, let's not mistake it. This team is much better with Felino and Tavares in the lineup. Well, we're just showing William Nylander score a goal. Do you want to get up and do the Ric Flair strut for the the Nylander thals out there? (laughs) Yeah, it's great. And I think it's a good story because, you know, the fans that advocate on his behalf every single night in my mentions when I mention the word Nylander, uh, this is is what they expect. And this is what they know that he can be. And, you know, when they explain him being the best hockey player in the world, one of them, this is what he brings every single night. And he's been dominated this series. He's been the best player uh, the whole entire series, just his puck position his poise with the puck, and scoring some big goals. So the Neilanderthals can rejoice. Neilanders playing some good hockey. I wish it wasn't so hard to say because I trip up, up, up on I it know. every <laughs> time I try and say it. Uh, let, me, let me throw this at you because, like, I thought Leaf fans would have learned when they chased Phil Kessel out of town and he ends up not having to be the dude and winning two cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and you could argue maybe could have, should have won a Conn Smythe. I, I think if his name wasn't Phil Kessel, he might have won one of those Conn Smythes. And I look at William Nylander the exact same way. Sure, you want to see him more engaged. Sure, you want him to get a little more physical and get to the net as hard as he possibly can. But he is a valuable goal scorer. And in this league, all you need to do is look across the ice and understand how valuable it is when a guy can snipe at any time. Yeah, and when he turns it on, he's, he's dominant every single shift. I think it's up to the organization or the coach to pair him with guys that are going to sort of step up and where his weaknesses are. So be that strength on the forecheck. Get guys to get him the puck because when he has that puck, he's near next to impossible to get that puck off. So he keeps it simple, but when he has that puck, it's, it's, it's amazing to watch. But I think the fans, they want to see it. You know, they think playoff hockey. They think guys crashing into the boards head first, jumping over the net, slashing guys like slap shot. That's not his game. But when he's on, he is the best in the world. 
Anthony Stewart is going to be part of the coverage for Game 4 between the Leafs and Habs. It is coming up right here on Sportsnet, so you don't need to flick. Put the converter down, for those who still call it a converter. I don't know how many of us there are out there. Flicker. Flicker? Are you a Flicker guy? I'm a Flicker guy. That's a Scarborough, official Scarborough definition. Flicker. I feel like old school is converter, but... Yeah. I understand. I am I'm more of a flicker guy, but I want to just give a put it on the Chesterfield and we'll go. <laughs> All right. So he will be part of the Leafs Habs. I, I just gotta get your opinion on having kind of twenty four hours or less than now uh to marinate on what transpired between the Oilers and the Jets. Like when you look back at it, is there anything that jumps out at you that you need to say a day later? Well, it goes back to my 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 term tertiary that I was been joking about last year but I think that's sort of been the problem with this you know Edmonton Oilers team when you have Connor McDavid and Drysaddle providing the primary and secondary offense because that's how good they are when they're not going you know this team is is they don't have the depth to really sustain you know anything in the National Hockey League so they need to find a way to get some depth guys and bring guys in that can step up in the big moments some guys that are battle tested playoff tested guys that can step up in the big big moments because this is the National Hockey League there's a lot of guys that are into analytics there's some very coach uh, smart coaching staffs they can really find a way to shut down your best players and they did that in this series so it's not basketball you can't have one or two guys take it uh, take you all the way to the, the promised land so you need to find a way to do it by committee I think the Oilers need a little bit more depth. But the one positive is that they have a lot of cap space in this offseason. They can make some major moves and get some surrounding help for McDavid and Dreisaitl because McDavid is one of the best players. He is the best player in the National Hockey League. You need to find a way to surround him and make him a perennial contender. Uh, 11 unrestricted free agents on this Oilers team. And Jay Woodcroft doing a wonderful job in Bakersfield, bringing some guys along. We'll see if they're able to uh, surround this team and surround Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Uh This is definitely an offseason where they need to log on to figureitout.com. Stewie, always appreciate you dropping by. And thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. There is uh, Anthony Stewart. He'll be cover- covering the Leafs. And the Habs game number four. Also on the Sportsnet family of channels tonight. Sportsnet one, Jays in action, trying to shake off a painful series against the Rays and look to snap a six-game losing streak as they open up against the Yankees in the Bronx tonight. It'll be Stephen Matz, New York area native, against Corey Kluber on the mound. As mentioned, it is on Sportsnet One with Blue Jay Central beginning 6:30 Eastern, 3:30 Pacific. And some more bad news because this is the Jays and it's the injury front. David Phelps, who was having a great year before getting hurt, will now miss the rest of the season. That is official. The lineup card tonight against Corey Kluber. Usual top four. Randall Gritchick hits five. Rowdy Tellez, DH and six. Joe Panic starts at third base and hits eighth while Danny Jansen catches for Steven Matz. But the big news in Jays land, Alec Manoa will make his major league debut as he has been called up to make the start against the Yankees tomorrow. Here's Manoa and then Charlie Montoyo on that debut. It's amazing, man. I mean, obviously the team has confidence in me to throw me into the fire and I'm ready to go, man. So, you know, as long as that mound's still 60 feet, six inches, we got a shot. He earned it. His chance to get here, so you know, so we'll see what he does, and, and we're not gonna put that much expectations. We're gonna let him pitch it and see what he does, you know. And and I'm glad the expectations are not that high, like it was for Brady and stuff. 
but you know, but like like I answered a minute ago, I mean, he's pitching at Yankee Stadium, and, and but he earned it, man. He earned his way to pitch here, and, and we'll see what he does. The expectations aren't that high. It's somewhat interesting. I hope that I, – listen, the Jays are that. I hope the fans are that, but I don't know. And I hope – the other thing I hope is that the Alec Manoa call-up is strictly because the Jays honestly feel like he's ready and not, hey, we're mired in the midst of a six-game losing streak heading to Yankee Stadium and it's starting to feel like this could get away from us. I hope. Mm-hmm. Still to come. We'll go back to Montreal. Eric Engels will join us, and whenever he does, they strike up the organ with Deanne Bebo. We'll see if that transpires once again at the Bell Center in Montreal. Plus, Justin Bourne in studio. The Habs need to find a way to score. We'll discuss next, right here on Tim and Friends. This Here's Tim and friends. Welcome back. Just over an hour from game four between the Leafs and Canadians from Montreal. It's available to you on Sportsnet and CBC. That's my big American guy voice. Hockey Central, Ron McLean and the crew gets going right after us. 7 p.m. Eastern time. No lineup news from Habs coach Dominic Ducharme. Gamesmanship. Said there'll be a number of game time decisions, specifically on Arturi Lekkanen. Habs have only scored four goals in three games, but last night, Carey Price stated he believes in the offense. Here's Nick Suzuki and Josh Anderson talking about goals. Obviously, he's uh, the rock of our team, and um, he made some outstanding saves last night to, to keep us in the game. Um, we want to score goals for him. We want to win games, so um, I, I think I like our, our chances tonight. I, I think the boys are going to be ready to go. Uh, have a lot of energy come puck drop. We just got to go out there and, and perform and uh, need a better effort from from everybody. And I think everyone uh, can do that, uh, including myself. So um, I think you'll you'll see a much hungrier team tonight. Habs need to start the fire. And the last time my next guest was here, the fire alarm was going off <laughs> here in the studio. Justin Bourne joins me. How are you, man? Good. No no hot takes today. Nothing to light the place on fire. <laughs> Nothing to light. I wouldn't mind it. Every once in a while, hot takes can do you some good. Um, is there any hot takes on the lineups? Because it seems like, and this isn't the first time that Dominic Ducharme has done this. We'll have to wait on what the Habs are doing. But we now know the Leafs are going to Adam Brooks and Travis Dermott. Yeah, my, my hot take, I guess, that, that's lukewarm. My lukewarm take is that the Leafs are going to end up going uh, 7-D, 11 forwards and 7-D. Right. Just looking at the lineup the last couple of days here, um, you know, we've had some issues with some players up front. If you're the Toronto Maple Leafs fans, if I can wee it for a sec there. Um, you know, Riley Nash has not been very good. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk wasn't great. Joe Thornton looks like he's wearing his age on his back. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of those guys could come out. But you look at the back end, and there's not really yeah. anyone who you'd want to take out. So Dermott comes in, he becomes a 7th D, one of those three comes out, probably Nash, which mm-hmm. makes sense, let his injury heal a little bit, and all of a sudden you're 11-7. and seven. Tampa Bay did that with some success winning a cup last year. You said it was lukewarm. Our production staff uh, determined that that was a fire take, Ooh. and I think they were just trying to uh, inadvertently set off a fire alarm by putting up the fire take. <laughs> oh, there it is. Yeah. 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 
That's about uh, as hot as I. I, I know Sid Six Era when it, it comes to it that. It makes sense though. Like honestly, like I, I was thinking, who's coming out? Bogosian's been good when healthy for yeah. this team. Maybe he's not healthy. Maybe he comes out. Maybe in back to backs. But he's been very good for this team when healthy. Yeah. And the only other guy would be Sandine, who seems to be quarterbacking their power play. Yeah. So it's t- unless someone's hurt up front, which is probably a much bigger issue. But it doesn't seem like anyone is. So I'm calling eleven and seven while having no inside information. Full risk. I don't mind it. Okay. <laughs> I'm kind of embracing it right now because I don't see who it is on the back end that comes out. It's, it seems like, and I hate to use this term because it's not so common, but it seems like a common sense conclusion. Right. And as I mentioned, Tampa Bay did this last year all the way to a Stanley Cup, basically. So I like that. Uh, and if we can, if I can dabble in fire. I said I had no fiery takes, but I right. kind of do. Oh, here we go. Let's go. I kind of do. I, I kind of think the, Le- the Leafs don't trust Freddie Anderson. They don't like him anymore. They're over him. I just... Would this not be the thought he'd get back in? Does it not make sense to you? I don't think it does, and here's no? why. Okay. Campbell's been really good, and there have been suggestions in the past that they don't have confidence in him. Sure. So where better to show their confidence in the guy who's now, what, 19? No. Yeah, 19, 4, yeah. and 2 on the season. And he's got a 951 save percentage in the postseason. Like, I, I think... And listen, I've heard a lot about this two-goalie universe that we're living in right now. It takes a lot of guts for a coach to do that when their goalie's playing well. If you're in Florida, I get it. You've had chances to say, all right, let's switch it up. With the Leafs, really? Yeah. I just, so, you know, I did work with Kyle and Sheldon for a little bit. I may have mentioned that en route to creating a career out of it. Um, (laughs) But, you know, one thing they do is they map out uh, rest for players who are injured, players who are young, and they say, we don't want our emotions to to get the best of us. So going into this series, I can see them saying, are we a a team with two goaltenders? I think you would have said, yes, we're going to be a tandem team. And if we are, when does Freddie get in? And this would be the spot. It's a back-to-back. Right. You know, the series is not uh, is not gotten away from you. You're not desperate. I understand you want to win the hockey game tonight, but if you believe in Freddie, you believe you can win with him in. I know Jack's played well, but it just seems like a spot where Campbell's been injured. You let his injury have a couple of days between games. You get Pete Campbell, two days rest. I mean, I'm the only person saying I think it should be Freddie tonight, but... It's so interesting because you know that if it backfired, what you would get back. That's and so that's, true. And, it would, and, it would and look the, super dumb if you put an Anderson in the and, <laughs> Yeah, and terrible. the dude hosting this show is thinking in his head, man, that would take a lot of guts. Yeah. But that's what they do, or that's what they've done in the past. Yeah. They've but, had a lot of guts. And in fairness, Campbell looks awesome. Maybe I'm way overthinking it. It's like goalie good. Put the good goalie right. in. All right. Speaking of goalie good. Uh, it could have been 6-1 Leafs yeah. last night, but Carey Price, again, unbelievable. I'll give you the stat of the day, and this one is a straight teeth. I took it off of Hockey Night in Canada last night, NHL on Sportsnet. Um, run support. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's getting almost to a joke-like state for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, his 1.97 goals per game is the worst since 2015. Uh, there's a minimum of 20 games played on this. Whoa. 17 of 24 games with two goals or sorry it's not 17 of 24 it is um, 22 of 31 two goals or less for the Montreal Canadiens those other nine three goals or more they're undefeated they're nine and no wow like that really that is great thieving yes. that was a good one to steal well I, I actually added on top of the goals per game that's not because, plagiarism that's because, just frankly, uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> I took a cold it. I took it and ran, <laughs> uh, and I figured out that they were nine and zero when they had scored three plus goals. Like yeah. it's obvious, but as we've talked about a couple times on today's show. And I know that not everyone's watching for the full two hours, and I don't blame you for that. But if you're just joining us, that balance is so hard. You know you have to defend. You know you have to give Carey Price some help in the defensive zone. You can't make sloppy mistakes, but you got to open it up too. Yeah. Like, that's a fine line. Well, and when you look at how they've approached this series, you know, they they are struggling with that conundrum because they said, we know we don't have the offense to outscore Toronto, so we're going to shut them down. Right. Caulfield, you're in the press box. Go eat popcorn. Gasperi, <laughs> <laughs> you go join them. Right. Like, easily the two most offensively dangerous guys. Sorry, I'm not going to include Kakaniemi in that, but definitely Caulfield is their most dangerous shooter to me. Yeah. And they put them in the press box because they don't think they can score with Toronto. Well, you're handicap- handicapping yourself entirely. They need him in the lineup. You need some guys who can score. But, yeah, it's uh, it's tougher price. And then they put him in front of a, a mic and say, what do you think about your offense? Like, what's he going to say? Like, oh, they've been odd awful. <laughs> what's he going to say? He's like, I believe in these guys. Right. I don't know. What do you want me to say? Just get me on the ice more? How about that? Like, the other part of me was, I'm watching this game, and he rings it off the crossbar early. And it looked Coffee, like yeah. it looked like he yeah Caulfield. It looked like he was going to get on the scoreboard. This was going to be the storybook start. And he was buzzing every time he was on the ice. And I don't know if it was a penalty situation or you find a spot where you don't want to put him out there, mm-hmm. experience, blah, blah, blah. He didn't see a lot of ice time and wasn't on at the end of the game. And you're thinking in your head, man... Am I, have I been watching a different game? Because he's looked like the most dangerous forward. And I love Toffoli and I love Anderson. Yeah, you know what I want to do, and I probably should do this, is sit down and watch his games and just see, is he like a complete liability the other way? Because I'm with you. Like, <laughs> yeah. what am I missing that this guy is so bad he's not on the ice as much as any of the other top six guys? Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they adjust. Like, at some point, if you're not winning and one guy can shoot the puck in the net for you, maybe he plays a little bit more. Brendan Gallagher played... 11, 12 minutes last night, too. So yeah. unless there's some real something we're not seeing, I, I don't know, Ducharme, is, it, it's curious ice time uh, all around for the Canadians for C- me. Can Lekkanen help? Yeah, shut down the Leafs from scoring, I guess. You know, <laughs> like defensively yeah. stout, uh, you know, PK guy. Like, yeah, he's, he's a nice, nice ad for them. But I just, they need to score first. They need to score first and say, Kerry, do what you do. We're going to worry about that, and we trust that you got this because you don't win without that, that equation. You just need Kerry Price to steal it. Um, when you look at this series um, and you see what's been happening in the United States of America and the crowds getting into the buildings, is there any sense of urgency that the Leafs don't want to see however many people end up in the Bell Center for a game six? Or is that me grasping at straws? And it's okay if you say that I might be. Because I just I feel like the crowd, and maybe this is the statement that I need to make, yeah. The crowd's made a difference. So if the Bell Center gets, is it 2,500 fans? How many of those are Leaf fans? Are they, are they able to get 1,000 yeah. tickets well, or uh, what? Apparently it's, it's season ticket holders. Okay. I mean, honestly, it, would, it could be the start of something if you're looking for something, right? And if you're Montreal, that's what it would be, trying to find that little bit of, okay, we've got some people, you've got a turning point, fans are here now. Yeah, I mean, the, the earlier you can put this thing to, to bed, the better. 2,500 fans, probably not going to overpower the emotions of Austin Matthews. But uh, it is possible that they, they make a difference. You're, you're allowed to say that. <laughs> These are questions that I require answers to. Yes, of course. And uh, that's what you're doing for me. Can you stick around? Love to. All right, uh, we're going to do some highlights. But uh, Justin Bourne, last call, still got a lot going on. The Secret Dream Gap Tour, however, continues with daily action from Calgary up until the championship game on Sunday. 
Sunday. You can see all the action on Sportsnet now with games Friday through Sunday, also live across the network on Sportsnet. Today's game featuring Montreal and Calgary after Montreal came back to beat Toronto 3-2 in the opener of the Canadian leg. Of course, Marie-Philippe Poulain, who has scored some famous game winners in her life, scored the game winner yesterday. Montreal today, guess who gets them on the board early? Just over a minute into the game, Marie-Philippe Poulain, top corner second of the tournament, and Montreal, zip, leads 1-0. Under two minutes later, though, Calgary responds. Montreal can't clear. Sarah Potomac takes advantage, fires at home. We're tied at one. Still in the first period, Montreal power play. And we've got a scramble. Jesse Eldridge finds the loose puck, tucks it home. Poulain with her second point of the game. And 2-1 Montreal led at that point. They now lead into the second intermission. More Leafs Habs talk on its way. As we continue to count down towards tonight's pivotal game for teams that take a 3-1 lead in the best of seven series go on to win 91% of the time. Eric Angles will join us from Montreal. After this, on Tim and Friends with Justin Bourne. The series has shifted to Montreal in what is now a best of five. The Bell Center. What a stop. Great drop. Jason Spencer. How did Spencer miss that? Just scores. Willie Nylander. Willie Stiles has got the lease on the board. Marner. Back for Riley, shooting scores! Morgan Riley! Just a perfect shot, up and over the shoulder as Price is sliding by. Tomas Tatar across, it's Perry! Oh, what a chance! Please hold on and take a 2-1 series lead! How fine the line can often be, what an opportunity late in that game. After taking game three, though, the Leafs will try and take that 3-1 stranglehold. Tonight in Montreal, they go back to Jack Campbell after a great performance last night. Here is teammates Alex Kerfoot, then TJ Brody on soups because it's Campbell's soups. Everyone's. And a win tonight would be big. I think that um, going back home up three-one would be be a big step for us, and especially coming out of Montreal with two wins. But we haven't accomplished anything yet right now, and um, I think that. Our focus has got to be dialed in and the same that it has been the last little while. They're going to come out hard. They're going to make a push. And, uh, you know, we have to be ready for that and, and play our game. And, uh, you know, no matter uh, what the game brings, we got to, uh, you know, keep the same mindset we've had. Tim and Friends, which includes Justin Bourne right now. And, and we go back live to the arena, and Eric Engels will join the fray. And Deanne Bebo, of course, on the organ. We can't have angles on without Deanne Bebo. Do we, like, do you put a tip in the jar after every hit that you do on this show for Deanne Bebo? I swear she starts seconds every time before I get out here. She's rocking, rocking the police right now. I, I, I love it. Uh, awesome. Uh, so we know who the Leafs are bringing in. We're not exactly sure who they are bringing out. Uh, but it appears as though Dominic Ducharme is playing uh, that gamesmanship role once again. Do you have any ideas, any speculation on who may be in or out for the Habs tonight? 
Yeah, I think they're hoping that Arturi Lekkinen will be able to play after getting out of Game 3. It looked like he took a shoulder to the head, and they had to take some tests today to see if he'd be available. Ducharme didn't rule him out. He said that Jake Evans is a game-time decision, though he said it's like unlikely he'll be able to play. And Eric Stahl is also a game-time decision. We'll see if anybody else is. You never know at this time of year, and we didn't get any confirmation on the lines. I'll tell you this. There's 18 guys that get out on the ice. There's a goaltender behind them. And yet, it's the man behind the bench that everybody looks at in these situations. And you know, the influence that Dominic Ducharme can have on this series is significant. And I think personally, over the first three games, he's overcomplicated matters a little bit. I think, as I wrote on sportsnet.ca, he's got to return to base, go to steady, reliable, Gallagher, Deneau, Tatar as a line, get Suzuki and Toffoli together. These are guys that were dynamic as a duo. And Put Caulfield with them, too, and get Caulfield on the left side of the ice where he's used to taking that one-timer. Yeah, I love golf. Justin, I know you love golf. We often talk about where to miss and where to put the ball so that you're putting from the right areas. you got to get on the green first. So I, I think these are not easy decisions, but they're not as complicated as the Canadians have made them. Yeah, there, there's been some really perplexing uh, decision-making with the lineup, and one of them that I genuinely cannot figure out is, like, if the Montreal Canadiens win this series, Brendan Gallagher doesn't score no goals. He doesn't have nothing to do with this series. What's going on with his ice time? I know he's hurt, but he's not hurt enough to be out of the lineup. What's going on with Gallagher? Well, first of all, you know, there was discrepancies in the ice time in terms of Caulfield not getting out there as much through the first two periods. Same thing with Gallagher, who was the lowest used forward in those situations. Obviously, Ducharme is focused on the matchups with Philip Deneau and Austin Matthews and Gallagher not playing on the Phil Deneau line. But as he said after the game, you know, there was four penalties that they had to kill. Gallagher doesn't kill penalties. Neither does Caulfield. And... The Canadians were stuck chasing their tail for most of that second period. So made it hard for them to get changes in and lowered the ice time for both those guys. But either way, those are two guys that are key guys in terms of scoring goals for this team. And they've only got four of them through three games. So you're right, Justin. If they're going to win, they need goals from those guys and a couple of other guys. And they have to get them on the ice in order for them to score. Eric, haven't we gone through this before with Gallagher? Yeah, different circumstances, though. <laughs> yeah. Last year in the bubble, obviously, he was cold. And not saying that he's hot right now. He hasn't scored in this series. But he also was off for six weeks with a broken thumb. And just adjusting to the playoff pace immediately is a pretty hard task, no matter how hard a guy like Brendan Gallagher plays. I thought I think his game has gotten better and better as we've gone along here. But give him the best opportunity to succeed. And I believe right. that is with Thomas Tatar and Philip Deneau. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Like, this is heart and soul type guy to right. your team. And you paid him like heart and soul type guy of the team so play them like heart and soul type guy of the team yeah exactly the the other like heart and soul thing that i'm wondering about is like the physical play that they've made a priority you know shea weber and ben Sherrod have really roughed up uh the leafs and the hit totals are through the roof what have you made of that as a priority and a game plan for montreal against toronto in this series well, first of all, I think it's a very important one, especially in the long run, but there's the long game and the short game, and the short game is the one that's right in front of them as they're down 2-1 in the series. There has to be a balance between throwing the cross checks and the hits and uh, the shoulders and playing the puck and getting the puck out of your zone quickly and getting to your game. And I think the Canadians have been a little too reactive to what the Leafs want to do and not asserting themselves as much as they want to. And speed is at the heart of what they want to do. And it's not just about guys skating fast. It's about playing fast. So, and that starts with moving the puck out of your zone quickly. It starts with transitioning through the neutral zone with speed. And the Canadians definitely didn't do enough of that in game three. And it's the number one thing they have to do in game four. 
We were talking uh, earlier about the impressive stat that I brought to the table about uh, when the Montreal Canadiens so score three or more, uh, they are undefeated in the postseason. Um, it just feels like Carey Price will always have them in games. Is there some worry that Carey Price starts to get frustrated with this in any way, shape, or form? I think whatever that worry was evaporated with Carey Price's comments last night. And I got to say, I have to credit him because it was one of those rare moments of outward leadership that we're not really let in on when it comes to Carey Price. He's very curt with the media and under normal circumstances. He was asked if he was frustrated about this repetitive pattern through his playoff experiences. I know you guys showed the stats. I don't have to review them right now. But him saying that he has full confidence in this team is something that they should take something away from, especially some inspiration from it because, you know, we know about Carey Price, the leader, through the players and what they tell us. We, we've seen the examples of it in his play, but for him to come out in the media and say that, I think it's going to resonate in that locker room. These guys should believe in themselves. They've scored goals all year for the most part. They've scored goals at every other level, whether it's Caulfield or Gallagher or Anderson or Suzuki or Toffoli or all the guys who are expected to score goals. And for their goaltender, their best player, their rock, as he was referred to yesterday, to come out and make those comments, it should have an impact for them. Eric, I'm going to ask you something uh, pretty blunt here. Does Caulfield suck at D? Like, like why? why? Not even close. Why are, Why is he not playing more? Why was he not in early? I just can't make sense of uh, of the situation early in the series. Well, listen, I'm not, I don't want to repeat myself based on what I said about Caulfield and Gallagher right. in the first two periods and when, the way they went in game three. But, you know, he played 15 and a half minutes in the game, obviously was double shifted in the third period. It's not as if they don't trust him to go get that goal. And as far as his defensive play, I think the most undersold value in his game is his play away from the puck. He's an elite thinker. He's not just a shooter and a sniper. He got way better in every department as he went along this year. And Tony Granato you know, was throwing roses his way all year long and not just to pump up his own player, but to discuss the fact that this guy was targeted at the NCAA level all year and rose to the occasion and bettered his game from 200 feet. Mark Bergevin spoke about it at the deadline. And since he's been here, you know, he's doing all the small details. He changes at the right time. He gets the puck out off the boards. He's If he's not the first guy engaged in the battle, he's got a good, smart stick he's able to use. Look, he's he's five foot six, five foot seven. He's not going to win battles against Zach Bogosian in the corner, but he can be engaged with his stick and jar the puck loose and make little subtle plays. So he's not a defensive liability, and we'll see how he gets used tonight. I expect it's going to be a lot. Uh, Eric Engels, before we let you go, uh, Justin and I were talking about the 2,500 that may show up if there is indeed a game number six, and we will determine that tonight at least a little bit. You could probably determine it if even if it's 3-1, but whatever. Um, do we know who will be among those 2,500 in the game? Is it season ticket holders? Like, how are they distributing the 2,500 tickets? You know what? I don't think we have an official plan as of yet because right. of the fact that I don't think the Canadians want to get ahead of themselves. But I will say this. Season ticket holders are likely to get priority here. No matter what happens, the Canadians got to do the, the families of the players a solid here. Those people have been waiting all year to see their husbands, their fathers, you know, play in these games. And especially at this time of year to have that experience. And I, I, I would sincerely hope that the door would be open for them. Uh, and obviously the fans who are paying to be here, of course, you want them to experience it. They deserve to just as much as anyone else. But I think of people like Tyler Toffoli's wife, who's been here all year by herself, uh, Corey, Corey Perry's family, who hasn't been with them if they were able to come through. So those people should be in the building. 
Monsieur Engels, Madame Bibo, merci beaucoup. I'll tell her you say bye. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> there is uh, Eric Engels in Montreal ahead of Game Four between the Leafs and the Habs. Uh, interesting to hear how confident he is that Caulfield will get the time. And I think he will too. Like yeah. you get your back up against the wall and you got to do something different. It feels like that time. Uh, although NHL head coaches are not notorious for uh, changing their ways midstream, <laughs> no. so we'll see. Uh, we will see, but they, they do need to score goals. We've talked about it a wee bit on this show today. Time for one last break. We'll wrap things up with last call. Jesse Rubinoff rejoins the fray in Anitaki Central. Ron McLean and the crew got you covered. Leafs Habs game four right here on Sportsnet. Six minutes to Hockey Central. Ron McLean and the boys taking over. Game four, Toronto, Montreal, right here on Sportsnet. Tim McAuliffe, Justin Bourne, and allow me to reintroduce Jesse Rubinoff with Last Call. What's up, Timmy and Justin? Uh, as we know, ESPN is getting back into hockey, signing a seven-year deal with the NHL recently. Yep. And today, Stephen A. Smith weighed in on the Oilers' sweep. Why don't we have a listen? Connor McDavid. You've only won one damn playoff series in your six-year career. You got to do more than, than that with your abilities, man. Come on, man. Imagine if the Brooklyn Nets were getting swept out of the first round of the playoffs with all their talent. I never let them hear the end of it. But you too, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl? I don't know you that well. I really don't. <laughs> so I'm going to be nice. I really did this segment, actually, just to make Gary Bettman proud, the NHL commissioner. I want to show him and the rest of the hockey lovers out there. I don't mind doing that. I love the honesty. Uh, is Stephen A. yelling about hockey good for the NHL? Yes. Oh, yes. No, it is. It's unbelievable. I lived in the U.S. a long time. Yeah. It's not even really about the analysis. That is, it's entertainment. <laughs> he, and he is straight entertainment. He's awesome. You know what? You're, I, I often watch First Take. Yeah. And I have had people who have worked on the show in the past talk to me. I think you're right. I think that th there is a segment of the population that thinks it's about the analysis. Yeah. And there is definitely a very large segment of the population that is just tuning in just like a, for the entertainment of it all. A huge depart a stats department giving him the odd interesting tidbit and then yeah. him just riffing. It's just unbelievable TV. Are you doing Gretzky in Last Call? I don't know if we're doing Gretzky. Okay, so let me ask you this. Yeah. Let me check. Gretzky, TNT. Yeah. You like it? Three mil a year, apparently. Yeah. yeah. You know, the same way that Gretzky's not going to want to say anything bad about the players, I don't want to say anything bad about Wayne Gretzky. He's Wayne Gretzky. But, like, you know, Charles Barkley and Shaq get on TV, and they tear Crush guys people. up. Yeah. And it's entertaining. Yeah. Like, hockey culture's not that. Wayne's going to be like, well, he could have got a DP. Wayne's a nice guy. <laughs> like, he's he's, he's you know, just, he's too nice. Maybe he will turn it on because he For knows. Three mil, I'd turn it on. I'll say some things. Maybe he'll be the Kenny Smith of the group, which is who we have on this yeah. show. Maybe he won't be Shaq. Maybe there'll be a Shaq and a Charles Barkley. Uh, but Sean if you Avery? haven't. Sean Avery going to go be those guys <laughs> to, to Wayne's <laughs> Kenny Smith. Uh, if, you, uh, if you don't know Wayne Gretzky, step down from his spot, and it looks like he's joining T. TNT is a part Three of the mil? Three mil is the reported number for mm. Wayne Gretzky to join. That's more than two. Don't want to speculate, <laughs> but maybe more than what he was making as uh, 
with the Oilers. And, and, and maybe a tad a bit, bit more than us. Yeah. Here. <laughs> Yeah, just a Tim little and bit. friends. Uh, oh yeah, let's go to a sport that Stephen A knows uh, a little bit more about. I know he's learning about hockey, but uh, the Atlanta Hawks lead the New York Knicks one nothing in their first round playoff series. Hawks star Trey Young scored 32 points, including the game winner and Atlanta's game one win today. After announcing that Madison, Madison Square Garden would serve as a vaccination site, New York City Mayor Bill De Blasio had a message for Young. I have an important official announcement. Uh, this is very serious. Want to get this out? Uh, message to Trey Young uh, on behalf of the people of New York City and, and anyone who cares about actually playing basketball the right way, stop hunting for fouls, Trey. <laughs> uh, I want to quote Steve Nash, one of the great player, great coach. He says, quote unquote, that's not basketball. Trey, Trey, that hawk's not going to fly in New York City. Come on, play the game the right way, see if you can win. I think the Knicks are going to teach you a lesson. Cut or uncut? That's cut. I'm tired <laughs> of politicians weighing oh, in when it seems like they don't know what they're talking about. And just last week, they were wearing another uniform. Yeah. What's that? He was actually wearing another uniform last week. And I know both teams are in New York, but Bill de Blasio, pick a damn team. <laughs> you can't be a fan of both just a grandstand for politicians like as if we haven't gone through enough with politicians over the last year or so my goodness you're not allowed to like two teams who do you think you are if you ever Drake? heard the word uh fontrum it's like secondhand embarrassment when like you're embarrassed <laughs> yes, for, someone for someone else, else. like watching yes. a politician do that like yes, yes. Makes me feel icky. by the way can i add something on the yeah, Stephen yeah. Yeah. i know it wasn't my question yeah. but he doesn't know football and he talks about football so why not <laughs> hockey? Let him know. Yeah. Uh, to baseball, Cleveland placed pitcher Zach Plesak on the 10-day injured list with a broken thumb on his hand, throwing hand. Manager Terry Francona said Plesak suffered the injury, quote, aggressively ripping off his shirt. Justin, when is the last time you aggressively <laughs> ripped off your shirt? Who among us hasn't done this once or twice? Yeah. Ripped a digit, <laughs> pulled off the old tarp. Yeah. Zero times. Uh, Just for context, uh, Dan Plesak, of course, who played with the Jays, was never on the injured list in his 18-year career. That's so, crazy. By yeah. the way, anyone who played pickup basketball with me Uncle knows so. that I, every once in a while. Pull it off? Oh, the full tear? I get, I get really pissed. Super though, yeah. <laughs> let's, go to, uh, let's go back to hockey. Game five between the Preds and Canes goes tonight in rally. You can see it on Sportsnet 360. At 8 p.m. Eastern time, the home team has won each of the first four games in this series. Justin, will that trend continue tonight. No, you can get the Canes in regulation for even money right now. That's where my money's going today. Is it even money? Yeah, and in regulation. Yeah. In Carolina, uh, they've been dominant. I'm, on board. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm with yeah. you on that. Yeah. I, I, yeah, all I, three of us. All three of us. Are, and But we've said this before. And then we didn't end up putting money down on a few things. You don't have so. to tell the people that. Well, <laughs> let's actually put the money down on oh, this one no. because I'm feeling a little bad about the last one that we didn't okay, do. Okay, Carolina it is. All right, Jesse, thank you. Justin, thank you. Thanks, fellas. Always appreciate it. Jays and Yankees next up. Sportsnet 590 to the fan and on Sportsnet 1. Meanwhile, Sportsnet, time to send it to Ron McLean and the Hockey Central crew ahead of Game 4. Leafs, Canadians, Corey Perry getting ready. Are you? It's next. It's now.